Hi everyone, this is Zuleika from Edureka. With enormous amount of data generating each minute, the need to extract the useful insights is a must for a business in today's world. This is where data science comes in. We're going to go in depth about the various concepts of data science and why it's needed in today's world. So let's move ahead. So we're going to begin with the importance of data science and why it is needed. Next, we'll see what exactly data science is. After that, we'll understand data science with a simple analogy. Once we're done with that, I'll take you through each stage of data science, explaining how the data science lifecycle works. Now, there's always a confusion about where data science fits in with machine learning and artificial intelligence, and I'll clear that confusion for you. And then we'll discuss about how Netflix used data science to become a billion dollar website. Next, we'll take a look at market basket analysis, which basically shows how local retail shops gain useful insights about customers' buying habits. Then we'll discuss the association rule mining algorithm and the a priori algorithm. Finally, I'll wind up the some facts about data science and why you should be learning data science. First topic. So do you guys remember when most of the data was stored in Excel sheets? There were simpler times because we generated lesser data and the data was quite structured. Back then, simple business intelligent tools were used to analyze and process the data. But times have changed. Over 2.5 quintillion bytes of data are created every single day. And it's only going to grow from there. By 2020, it's estimated that 1.7 MB of data will be created every second for every person on Earth. Now, can you imagine how much data that is? How are we going to process this much data? Not only that, the data generated these days is mostly unstructured or semi-structured and simple business intelligent tools cannot do the work anymore. We need more complex and effective algorithms to process and extract useful insights from the data. Now, this is where data science comes into the picture. It analyzes and extracts useful insights from data. What is data science? Now, the term data science may scare you off, but understanding it is quite simple. Let's break it down. So we have data and science. Now, what is data? Now, data can be any raw information or structured data collected from n number of sources, like, for example, the transactional data from an e-commerce website or survey data or even numbers and images form data. On the other hand, what is science? Now, science is a process of exploring, observing and making sense out of something. This takes us to what is data science. Then data science is the process of extracting knowledge and insights from data by using scientific methods. Okay, now there was sort of a bookish definition. So let's try to understand data science with a simple example. What if I tell you guys that all humans in some way are already data scientists. You're observing the world around you no matter what you're doing. At every waking moment, you're taking in details from your surroundings and feeding it to your brain. You then process these observations into data and use it to understand things around you by finding out meanings and make predictions of what is likely to happen next. So let's say that you're driving your car to office and there are two ways to go to your office. One is a shortcut, let's call it route A, and the other route is relatively longer, let's label it route B. Now obviously you and I would choose route A to get to work, but let's say that from a distance you notice that there is way too much traffic on route A. And from your past experiences of getting stuck in traffic, you know that if you take the shortcut, you'll be very late to office. So what do you do? So you do the calculations and you decide to take route B, which is a longer route, but with no traffic. Now, how is this related to data science? 
Now we were obviously facing a problem and let's break it down into steps. First, let's define the problem. So the problem that we're facing is we want to choose the fastest route to office. Okay, we want to get to work quick. Now the next step would be to collect data. Now, how did we collect data? We observed our surroundings and we noticed that there was a lot of traffic on route A when compared to route B. That's how we collected data and that's exactly how you're collecting data right now. You're listening to me and taking in information. So after observing the surroundings, if we were to put this data into a table, it would look something like this. So we observe route A and we calculate the distance to office from route A and we also calculate our speed. Alright, we also consider the day of week it is, the time of day, humidity and traffic flow. Let's say that we just observed the surrounding and collected this data. So this is the second step of data science, data collection. Alright, now let's look at data processing. Now when we collected data about the traffic on route A, we also collected a lot of unnecessary data. Like um, the color of the cars, the different type of two-wheelers. We also collected data like the humidity of the air. Now this data is obviously not required to determine the fastest route to office. So what do we do? We ignore this data. Now this process of removing unwanted data or irrelevant data is called data cleaning. So in the next table here, you can see that I've removed the humidity column because that is not required to analyze which route will take us to office quicker. Also, while you collect data, there are a lot of things that you need to fix and adjust. I mentioned the distance over here in 14,000 meters. But to adjust it according to our other measurements, I'm converting it into kilometers. Now this process is basically data cleaning and data processing. So you're just preparing the data so that you can analyze the data and come up with good predictions as to which is the faster route. Okay, this is all a part of data science. Now next is exploring and analyzing the data. Now after collecting the data about the traffic situation on route A, we decided to look at route B. We observed that route B had lesser traffic and calculated the approximate time it would take to get to office by using route B. Now based on our past experience of getting stuck in traffic jams, we predicted that taking route A to office is more time consuming and hence we decided to take route B. So we basically extracted the useful information from the data we collected by understanding and analyzing the data in order to predict the faster route to office. And this is exactly what data science is. It is the ability to take data, to be able to understand it, to process it and to extract value from it. Now the exploring and analyzing data includes the selection of the decision variables. Now the decision variables are time and traffic delay with respect to our example. Here you can see that if we take route A, it'll take us one hour 20 minutes. But if we take route B, it'll take us two hours. But due to traffic on route A, there's gonna be a delay of 55 minutes. So obviously when you do the calculations, you know that route A will take you two hours, 15 minutes and route B will take you two hours. So now we choose the best and the fastest route to office, which is route B. Now this was a small analogy of the different steps in data science. So first we define the problem, which was to choose the fastest route. After that, we collected data. And how did we do that? We just observed the surroundings and we collected the information. After that, we processed the data wherein we performed data cleaning and removed the unwanted or the irrelevant data. After that, we performed exploring and analyzing wherein we identified the decision variables and predicted their values. Then finally comes to our solution where we chose the best route to office. Let's understand what this process is all about. Now, the power of data is already shaping our lives in ways that we probably don't realize. 
the fact that we spend our time on the internet like shopping paying bills online dating socializing and whatnot we don't realize that all the data that we provide during such activities is stored and processed so every time you shop retailers are actually analyzing your buying patterns and trying to figure out your likes and dislikes as well as what other products you might buy or coupons you would use now to make you understand the influence of data science let me tell you a funny incident this incident is about a target statistician called andrew pole for those of you who don't know what target is it is a retail store now andrew was analyzing the data of his customers and he was looking for patterns to determine if a shopper was expecting a baby now he ran tests after tests and finally some useful patterns emerged lotions for example lot of people buy lotions but one of pole's colleagues noticed that women on the baby register were buying larger quantities of unscented lotion okay and this was around the beginning of their second trimester another analyst noted that sometime in the first 20 weeks pregnant women loaded up on the supplements like calcium magnesium and zinc many shoppers purchase soap and cotton balls but when somebody suddenly starts buying lots of scent free soaps extra big bags of cotton balls in addition to hand sanitizers and washcloths it's a signal that they could be getting close to that delivery date now based upon their so called pregnancy scores target started sending coupons now one angry father contacted target about all the baby coupons they were sending his teenage daughter he was accusing them of encouraging her daughter to get pregnant the funny part was that target had actually figured out the teenage daughter was pregnant before the father knew it So people look out for guys like Andrew they probably know more about you than your parents do. Let's look at the data science process which is all about getting such useful insight from data. So despite the recent increase in computing power and access to data over the last couple of years our ability to use the data within the decision making process is lost. Now when an organization is facing an issue or a problem they should be able to apply the data correctly to solve the problem. okay that's how data science works now let's understand the data science life cycle there are six steps in the cycle it starts with defining the business requirements then acquiring data processing it exploring it creating a model and then deploying it all right now let's look at each of these in a detailed manner so before you can even start on a data science project it is critical that you understand the problem you are trying to solve In this stage you should also be identifying the central objectives of your project by identifying the variables that need to be predicted. Now in the analogy I showed you earlier our problem was to choose the fastest route and the variables that we had to predict were time and traffic delay. Next is the data acquisition process. Now that you've defined the objectives of your project it's time to start gathering the data. Data mining is a process of gathering your data from different sources. Now at this stage some of the questions worth considering are what data do i need for my project where does it live how can i obtain it what is the most efficient way to store and access all of it let's answer all of these questions based on the analogy what data do i need for my project so when we were trying to choose the fastest route the data we needed included the traffic density the distance the speed the time all right where does the data live So the data that we collected was from our surrounding. Next is how can I obtain it? We obtained by observing and understanding our surrounding. 
After that, what is the most efficient way to store and access all of it? Now, the most effective way we stored it and accessed and analyzed it was by building a table out of the data that we collected. All right. Next stage is data processing. Now, if all the data necessary for the project is packed and handed to you, then you've literally won a lottery. Now, usually finding the right data takes both time and effort. If the data lives in a database, your job is very simple. You just have to query the relevant data using SQL queries. But if your data doesn't actually exist in a data set, you'll have to scrape it. Now, this is where you transform your data into the desired format so that you can read the data. All right, now let's say you've got all of your data and now you have it in the right format. Now, the next step is the most time consuming step of all. It's called cleaning and preparing the data or data cleaning. Now, this is especially true in big data projects. A lot of data scientists were sat down and the interviews were taken and they were asked which is the most hectic or the most hated phase of data science. And up to 80% of them said it was data cleaning because it takes up 50 to 80% of their time. Now, the reason why data cleaning takes so long is because there are so many possible scenarios that require cleaning. So, for example, the data could have multiple inconsistencies. Your data could have missing values or there might be some unnecessary data which has to be removed. So, these inconsistencies have to be identified and fixed in this stage. Okay, now that you have a sparkling clean set of data, you're ready to finally get started on your analysis. Now, the data exploration stage is like the brainstorming of data analysis. So this is where you understand all the patterns in your data. Okay, it could involve pulling up and analyzing a random set of data by plotting a histogram, or you can even create an interactive visualization that lets you explore each data point and the story behind the data. So this is where you retrieve all of your useful insights from the data. Now, with all the useful information, you start to form hypotheses or you start to make predictions about your data. Now, in our analogy, based on our past experiences, we predicted that due to traffic on Route A, it might take us longer to reach to office through Route A. And that's when we decided to consider Route B. All right. So this is where you explore, make predictions and form hypotheses about your data. All right. Now, the next stage is data modeling. Now, there are three main tasks in this stage. The first is to create data features from the data that you processed. Now, the second is model training. Now, model training is basically about finding the model that answers the questions most accurately. Okay. Now, the process for model training involves a lot of steps and iterations. So, the first step would be to split the input data into training data set and test data set. You split it randomly. Next is you build the model by using the training data set. After that, you'll evaluate the training and the test data set and you'll use a series of machine learning algorithms and then you'll determine the best solution and you'll determine if your model is suitable for production. Okay. And finally, the last stage is deployment. The goal of this stage is to deploy the data models into a production or a production like environment. Okay. And this is for the final user acceptance. Also, the users must validate the performance of the models. And if there are any issues with a model, then they must be fixed in this stage. The maintenance and operations of the data models take place in this phase. Now, next up, let me clear your confusion about the relationship between artificial intelligence, machine learning, data science and deep learning. Now, there's a lot of misconception about machine learning and artificial intelligence. People tend to think that AI, machine learning and deep learning are all the same thing. Well, they're not. And let's define each of these concepts so you know where to draw a line. 
Now in the image, you can see that data science is a larger and a vaster concept which makes use of all of these different techniques, artificial intelligence, machine learning and deep learning. Now, like I mentioned earlier, data science is the extraction of knowledge from data by using different techniques and algorithms. On the other hand, artificial intelligence is a technique which enables machines to mimic human behavior. AI is very different when you compare it to data science. Now, machine learning is a subset of AI which uses statistical methods to enable machines to improve with experience. We use a lot of machine learning algorithms when it comes to data science. Now, again, deep learning is a subset of machine learning. It includes concepts like neural networks in order to go in depth and look for solutions. Artificial intelligence, machine learning, deep learning are all techniques and methods that can be used in data science. And there is a lot more to each of these than I have defined over here. AI, machine learning, deep learning, all of these are not restricted to data science alone. They can be used in any field right now. All right, now let's look at the Netflix use case. With over 100 million subscribers, there is no doubt that Netflix is the father of the online streaming world. Netflix's speedy rise has all movie industrialists taken aback. Okay, they keep asking how on earth could one single website take on Hollywood? Now, the answer to this is data. The Netflix algorithm constantly gathers massive amounts of data about users' activities. Now, they keep a track of activities like when you pause a video, when you rewind, or when you fast forward. They also keep a track of what day you watch your content on, the date you watch it, what time you watch it, where you're watching it, the different devices that you use to watch it. They have data about your ratings, your searches, your browsing and scrolling behavior. All right, so they have data about each and every activity you do on the website. And they collect a lot more data. Now they collect this data for each subscriber they have and that's why they have such a huge customer retention rate. Alright, so they have the behavioral patterns of each and every customer. By collecting so much information about a person, you can obviously try and figure out what are their likes, what are their dislikes, what videos they might be interested in, what movies they might watch, what they might not watch and all of that. Okay, now what do they do with all of this data? They've collected it, but what do they do with it? Now, it was recently surveyed that Netflix spent $100 million on 26 episodes of a show called House of Cards. Okay, they were very confident that the show would be marketed successfully to their audience. Okay, this is obviously because they had a behavioral pattern of their audience. They know what the audience like. They know what the majority of the audience would watch, what would draw their interest. All right. Now, the next thing they do is they create personalized video rankers. Now, what this ranker does is it orders the entire Netflix collection for each subscriber in a personalized way. All right. So each subscriber of Netflix has a different Netflix collection based on the user's likes, dislikes, interests. Okay. They also have a top end video ranker, which picks out the top personalized recommendations from the entire catalog, focusing only on the titles that are at the top of the ranking. So again, they keep analyzing your data. They pick out top 10 videos just for you. Okay, so each member or each subscriber on Netflix has a totally different view of the Netflix website. So if you're into rom-coms, you'll have all about rom-coms on your Netflix account. I'm sure I don't have to speak much about this. Almost all of us use Netflix and know how it works. We always get what we want to watch. All right. Apart from that, they also create a section called trending now. They create the most trending videos along with a mix of personalization for every member based on their viewing history. 
then they have this other session called continue watching now this just sorts your recently viewed titles and it will estimate whether you will continue watching or if you'll stop watching something because it was less interesting okay and also they have a video video similarity algorithm now because you watch one video you may also like a similar video even though the similarity ranking is not very personalized it provides a very good estimate of what a member might like based on what they previously watched okay there is a lot of data processing and a lot of data science involved behind netflix they have hundreds of algorithms which tells them what users would like to watch and what they'd quickly lose their interest in okay now this is exactly why netflix is such a huge thing they collect data and they use it in the most effective way possible all right now let's look at market basket analysis now market basket analysis is a key technique used by large retailers to uncover associations between items so it basically allows retailers to identify relationships between the items that people buy for example people who buy bread also tend to buy jam so the marketing teams at the retail store should target customers who buy bread and jam and provide them an offer so that they can buy a third item like an egg so if a customer buys bread and butter and sees a discount or an offer on eggs he will be encouraged to spend more and buy the eggs this is what market basket analysis is all about now guys to find the association between two items and make predictions about what customers will buy there are two algorithms the first one is called the association rule mining and the second one is the a priori algorithm okay now let's discuss each of these algorithms with an example so let's say that you're given a market basket data and you have to analyze those items together in a basket and see if there is any interesting relationship in the buying behavior of the customers but take a note that you cannot assume that there is an association between two products just because they were brought together two three times you have to analyze hundreds of transactions to find a pattern or an association between two items so for example here it says that people who buy bread have a 60% chance of also buying jam now this can be because a lot of people prefer bread and jam for breakfast and similarly people who purchase laptops will buy laptop bags because that makes sense but what are we going to do with these insights and how are these insights going to help our business or right, so let's assume that you have a huge retail store and let's call it dmart okay so you're the owner of the store and let's say that you gave me the transaction data of your store and you asked me to look for some important insights now after going through the transaction data i found some insights which say that 80% of the customers who are buying bread would also end up buying butter so i got this insight from your transaction data now what would you do with this insight is it useful to you well the insight i gave you is very strong now 80% of the customers who buy bread also buy butter which means that 80% of the people who buy bread will anyway buy butter and so there is no point in giving offers on these two products and you can be smarter and place bread and butter at the opposite ends of your store now this way the customer will have to cover a large floor area to get to the butter which means that the customer will get a chance to look at all the products in your store and he will definitely put many other products into his cart okay this is what is called impulsive buying and i'm a huge victim of this which i do all the time okay now i'm sure this has happened to all of us so when we go to the grocery store or any store to buy a list of items 
we actually end up buying a lot of other things that we didn't plan on buying. Now, even though I didn't intend to buy all of these products, I did because you were smart enough to arrange these products logically in your store. Okay, so guys, this was a simple insight. But if you go to a professional data scientist with all your transactional data, imagine what all insights you'll get and how much it will profit your store. So because of this association rule mining is considered as a very useful model for finding the products association and placement of the products and thus improving the sales. Okay, now I hope all of you understood the significance of this algorithm. Now let's move ahead and look at how the algorithm works. Now association rule mining is all about building rules. So we can form rules like if a person buys item A, then he'll end up buying item B. Okay, now when we analyze a large set of transactional data, we'll probably come up with thousands of such rules. And the rules we just discussed is a single cardinality rule, meaning that the result of buying one item will end up buying another one. Okay, so people who bought A would also buy B. But what if I say people who bought A and B also bought C or people who buy A, B and C item will also buy D. So this rule with increasing cardinality can have many combinations. So let's say that you have 10,000 products in your store. Imagine the number of possible combinations you can have for each product. So going through each of this product and analyzing its association with the other 9,999 products is practically not possible. That's why in association rule mining, we have certain measures that filter the items at each iterations. Okay, this is where the other algorithm called a priori comes into the picture. But before we go into the algorithm part, let's understand the basic math behind the algorithm. Now there are three basic metrics which we'll discuss now. There is support, confidence and lift. All right, the first metric support calculates the number of times an item A or a set of items A and B occur in the overall transactions. Okay, so by calculating support, we'll know which items are bought most frequently or which combination of items are bought most frequently. Also, by calculating support, we can filter out the items that occur less frequently. Now, the next one is confidence. Confidence calculates the number of times items A and B occur together given the number of times A occurs. Okay, now this measure calculates how often two items occur together. Now, typically before you build the a priori algorithm, you set the minimum value for support and for confidence. But how do we choose the support value and the confidence value? Now, honestly, there's no fixed way in which you can choose the support and the confidence values, but you can choose these two measures very intuitively. So if I say that the minimum support value is two, all right, let's assume that I've set my minimum support value to two. Now, this means that if a product occurs in at least 2% of the transactions, only then you can analyze the buying patterns of the product. Okay. Now, this makes sense because obviously we wouldn't want to analyze products which are barely bought. Now, depending on your sales and products, you can set the minimum support and confidence values. Now, after you've set the minimum confidence and support values, you have to input these values in your algorithm so that it can filter out only the useful or the most frequently bought products. Now there is another measure called lift. Okay. Now let's say that you ran the algorithm and you finally came out with 5000 or 10,000 association rules, which are basically insights. Okay. It is practically impossible to implement all of these rules. Imagine going through all of these rules for each product and then implementing them. This is obviously not practical. Okay. So it's very important to filter out the most significant and only the most effective rules. 
Now, this is exactly why we have the lift matrix. Now, lift indicates the strength of a rule. It calculates the independent support of item A and of item B. Okay. Now, this basically shows the probability of A and B occurring independent of each other. Now, obviously, there's a lot of difference between A and B randomly occurring together and A and B actually having some association. Now, if the denominator of the lift is higher than your numerator, then it means that A and B are randomly co-occurring with each other and not because of any association between them. Okay. So, if the value of lift is high for any set of products, you can improve that rule. Okay. Lift will help you filter out only the significant insights or the significant rules. So, let's say that the lift of two items A and B is 4. It means that if I buy item A, then I'm four times more likely to buy item B. These were the three measures. Let's go understand what a priori algorithm does. Now, the purpose of a priori is to calculate which item set is a frequent item set. All right. Now, let's say that my store has 5000 items. What this a priori algorithm does is it filters down a set of, let's say, 10 items, which are the most frequently purchased items. So if my algorithm can filter down 5000 items to just 10 items, then I can form different combinations with these 10 items and create rules for each combination. Data science stats. According to Forbes, the number of data science and analytic job listings is projected to grow by nearly 364,000 listings by 2020. So there's going to be a shortage of so many data scientist jobs. So guys, this shows the data science demand. There are way too many businesses, way too many e-commerce websites which are looking for data scientists. All right. Also, the average salary for a data scientist is $120,000 as per Glassdoor. Now, that is obviously a lot, but you'll obviously need a lot of experience. You need to have knowledge and expertise in a lot of areas. Okay. You need to know a lot of algorithms. You need to know how to process data. All right. It's all about data when it comes to data science. Another interesting fact is that there's going to be a shortage of 1,90,000 skilled data scientists by 2018. So guys, it's already the end of 2018 and there are so many shortages in data scientists. So guys, there are a lot of companies out there who are specifically looking for data scientists. Now, the last fact is that businesses analyzing data will see about 430 billion in productivity benefits over the rivals who are not analyzing data by 2020. A company can easily save up $430 billion if it tries to implement data science algorithms. All right, so guys, that's a lot of difference. Data science makes all the difference that you're seeing right now. Only reason why websites like Netflix, Amazon are profiting so much is because they're properly analyzing the data that they get. Now, when any user is performing some activity on Amazon website or any e-commerce website, Data scientists are collecting all of this information. They're extracting all the useful insights from this information so that they can get better profit out of it. Thank you so much for joining me in today's session. Have a great day.